series called Change. We know we need to change. We know we need to do something different. We know we need to make an adjustment. But instead of acknowledging it and identifying it, maybe we just talk to so many people about it. We're going to, oh, you know, this thing, da, da. and we're talking to people about it, and we're talking so much about it, but we're not talking about it is what he was doing. You know, he wasn't acknowledging it. He's talked a lot about it, but he didn't acknowledge it and do something about it. We say here all the time, the largest gap in the world is between what you know to do and what you actually do. In the middle is is where you make up the ground. The difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is those that know how to close that gap, that are willing to say, hey, I'm going to allow change into my life and I'm going to make the adjustments to go from here to here. We know the scripture says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. It's steps. You take steps in, uh, in closing that gap, and, and all those things require change. And so the, the sermon or the series that I, uh, scripture that I have for this series, a lot of us have heard it, but 2 Timothy 4, 7, it says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And when I read that and when I remembered that, of course, you look at these analogies and you know, in order to fight the good fight, there was a chance of losing. There was a chance of it not coming out successfully or to finish the race means that there was a chance that he wasn't going to finish because things could have happened. And he said he kept the faith, meaning there was a possibility he could have lost the faith. And so in those things, what did he do to make sure there was success in this? Well, I guarantee what he did was he made adjustments and he walked through change in his life to be able to make sure he stayed on course. He kept the faith and he kept his eyes on the prize, but he navigated and changed through the things that God was leading him in. We talked about how uh, some of the greatest, I talked about how um, in the NBA finals last week, we talked about how, you know, they made a big deal in this year's NBA finals about LeBron James, how he changed his game. You know, they call him one of the greatest, and, and I would, of course, argue the greatest, but that's for another time and another day. In a couple more years, you'll be with me on that one. But um, people will be saying, Michael Jordan, who? I don't know who that is. So no, no one's with me on that. Okay. Um, I just found out my Wolverines are going to be wearing uh, the Jumpman thing, so I'll have to tape mine and cover it up or something. But anyway, they talked about, oh, you know, all the greats in time, how they stayed great is they learned how to change. They learned how to make adjustments to their game, and they learned how to do this. And uh, it's hard. It's not our nature to be people who want to change. I think some of us will say, well, that's not true. I like adventure, and I like to try different things. Yes, But I'll guarantee you, if we were to take like a perfect scope of your life, there's a lot of things that you like the same. We liked it the same way. And I'm the first person to raise my hand on that. Listen, I said this last week, I'm, I'm by nature like an older, like I'm an old man spirit about me. Like I like the same, I'm the like, don't touch my stuff guy, you know, like (laughs) Jess, what is this? And the worst part is like, we're young in in marriage and, uh, and in kids. So she's had a lot of, you know, in the last whatever years, two and a half years, She's had two kids, which equals a lot of pregnancy brain and a lot of post-pregnancy brain. So nobody's laughing because they don't want to like, oh, I'm not in it. So it's true. So what that means is I'm the don't touch my stuff guy, and she's the I'm going to touch your stuff because I'm putting stuff where they go. But the problem is in the last three years of my life, she doesn't remember where she puts things. (laughs) It's like, hey, what did you do with my, well, you left it out. Okay, yeah, I left it out. Where is it? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Well, this worked really well. 
So by nature, I'm admitting about myself, I like the same things. Like I like the, I have a golden retriever. He's old at nature. We like to do the same things. Like we sit in the same spot of the couch and like he's my guy and this is, who's with me? Like anybody like that? And so, so by nature, we're not, we don't love change. And, um, and it's good for us to learn change. Uh, and I think especially in our walk with God and as things change in culture, it's important for us to understand how to navigate change. Uh, lots of people, you know, we want to be finishers. We read, finish the race, keep the faith. We all want to be finishers. There are many people who have fallen away from success because of their inability to be willing to change. I brought a few examples that we also shared last week. Western Union said this about the telephone. They said, this telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. The device is inherently of no value to us. They said that in 1876. One person said, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. And this was in 1943. Thomas Watson, chairman of IBM, said, yeah, there's probably a market for about five computers. We all have like five computers in our house now, you know. <clears throat> While theoretic, theoretically <laughs> and technically, televisions may be feasible, commercially and financially, it is an impossibility, said inventor Lee DeForest. I love this one. The Warner Brothers in 1927, when they talked about going from movies that didn't talk to movies that had script and talking, they said, who would want to hear actors talk? And now if you showed our kids movies with no talking, they would say, who would want to watch a movie with no talking? And uh, change. I love this one. Decca Recording Company said this about the Beatles when they were pitched to be on their label. They said, we don't like their sound and guitar music is on the way out. And then they didn't sign the Beatles. And we laugh at this stuff, and we say, oh, it's ridiculous. I can't believe that's said. But you know what? We do the same thing often in our life when we refuse to change. We put the same excuses on it. So that's, you know, we, we, say, well, we say stuff like, uh, it's not that big of a deal. I have it under control. I can handle it. I have time later to this and this and this. And we put the same kind of ridiculous excuses on why we are unwilling to change and why we were unwilling to do things differently. And so today I want to talk about, and in this series, I want to talk about what does it look like to be a people who embrace change, who trust that God is the one leading us, not our own intelligence. That's the way to live. You know, the scripture says that he'll give you a peace that surpasses all your understanding, meaning that you should be living in a place with God that, hey, I don't understand it. I don't really know how it's all going to work out, but I have peace through this change that God is in control. Amen? So I thought about this. Uh, I said this last week, and then we'll jump into this week. The universe is constantly expanding. They actually say uh, at, a, at the fastest rate ever, it's continuing to expand and expand, which means you'll never stand in the same place twice. The way that we expand and the way everything is constantly expanding and growing. I think that's God's design is for us to always be changing and growing. I know Philippians 1.9 says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. What's it saying? Change, grow more, change, grow more. Continue, continue in the things of God and in your love and in your wisdom and insight because we should be people that keep growing. If you look and you polled most Christian culture, we love to have something figured out and then close the book on it. And it gets us in trouble 
and I think you could say it about religion. We love to say, hey, this is the way, and we close the book on it, and this is the blueprint. But the problem is Jesus doesn't even, when he was walking, didn't even walk in terms of blueprint. It's not like he walked this earth with the rule. Okay, okay, blind man. Let me turn to blind man. This is what the father said we should do with blind man. No, as a matter of fact, he kept it even crazier than just simple oh, some spit in the eye, and then we'll do this, and we'll do this. Why? Because it kept us, and I believe it taught us that, hey, you can't be so blueprint and predictable in the things of God. Amen? Because God is creator, and he's expanding, and he, you know, he, now the scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the one who doesn't have to change because he's God. We follow God. Okay. And so, and so there is no perfect blueprint. And so I love this in Matthew chapter nine, verse 16. I'll give you one thought and then we'll close up. Matthew nine sixteen, it says this, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. A lot of us have probably read that and said, yeah, yeah, I know what it's talking about. But if you think about it like this, they taught in picture. And so you would look at that and you'd say, what does that mean for it to tear away? And what would happen? And Okay, now what does that mean for my life? That's what it would mean for the cloth and the clothing. But what would that mean in the example of my life? Well, in the example of your life, it could be this. You can't force the old season into the new season because both will be wrecked by the time you're done. So many times in our, whether you go home through college and then you have kids or our lives are always changing. You wake up and change happened. If you've had kids, all of a sudden you have kids, you wake up one day and you go, man, (laughs) we thought we were prepared for this, but it's not quite as it was when we didn't have kids. Everything changed and you learn to grow. Change happens. And what it's saying is if you live in a way that you're going to constantly be trying to make the new be the old, your season of life will be wrecked and will be ruined. Amen. And so you have to constantly be going, God, I trust you in this. What is new for me in this season? What do you have for me? And then it says in verse 17, it says, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins will break, the wine will be spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved or both you could say are successful. So what it was saying here is this, you know, obviously in this day, they knew exactly what he was talking about when they would say, hey, nobody puts new wine into old wineskins. That was a very relevant statement because they all had wineskins. It was like a jug, okay, that they would carry with them and it was all bound and rigid and kept. And uh, so for them to have a wineskin would be for us to have like a pitcher or a liter or something, a two liter bottle. Be like, yeah, I know what you're talking about when you're talking about putting wine into the wineskin. I get that. And so when he says, you don't put new wine into the old wineskin because it'll break. And that had a lot to do with the gases and all the new stuff of the wine. And so they were like, duh, of course you wouldn't put new in the old because the old is rigid and it's been there a while and it's old and maybe it's drier. Maybe we could say about our lives and our way of thinking, it's been there a while It's old, it's rigid, and certainly we wouldn't want to put a new move of God in that because if we keep that old, rigid, dry, it would break the both of us. Somebody say amen. So what maybe Jesus was trying to say was, hey, it's not good that you stay old and rigid and dry and crusty in the old way. Don't stay like that because when I try to do a new thing in you, both will be lost. And so he said, you got to have a new wineskin. Why? Because a new new wineskin has some flexibility to it. It has some ability to be able to handle change. 
So we can put that in there and it can expand and it can handle change and it can say, hey, I want to do something new in you. And so when I put this in there, you're going to be able to handle the change and both will be, the scripture said, preserved or successful, you could say. So what does that look like in our life? What does that look like when you're saying, oh, change? Maybe for some of you, you know, 78 weeks ago, it was coming to a church like this. Oh, I don't know, you know, pastor there is wearing jeans. <laughs> I don't know. They don't look very holy. <laughs> I think you got them. Anyway, I won't go there, but. Or, you know, the music type. Or, or maybe we're, we're entering into a Bible study for the first time. Or, gosh, I hope he would never ask this of you. But if God maybe asked you to serve in the church, maybe help with the kids or greet somebody. I don't pray that upon you. That would be terrible. Um, giving back and connecting with others and stuff, that would hurt. But, um, but, you know, for us, what does it look like to be flexible and be willing to, uh, you know, God, do something new in me. I'm ready for the new wine. I'm ready to see the new wine. And so um, some of you are open to new wine, but I'm talking about a move of God. So we, we got to be flexible people. Everybody's updating their status. Pastor's talking about new wine. <laughs> okay, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you. Okay, so there's this story in Scripture. We all know this. It's called uh, the Day of Pentecost or the Upper Room. And this is exactly what we're talking about, being a people who are willing to receive something different. Jesus, is, he comes, he's with his disciples, and there's teaching, there's all these miracles, there's all of this... Um, there's even controversy. There's all of this attention around this guy, Jesus. And then he said, you know, then there's the command, you know, go into the upper room and wait. There's going to be a new move. And only 120 people gather of all the people that have heard and all the news that have gone out there. And so he says, you know, go and gather. And then we know that the Holy Spirit fills the room. And so the, the, the Trinity, the, the third part of the Trinity, you have, you know, the Father, the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is unleashed uh, into the world. And so there's 120 people up there. And the scripture says that when they came out of there, some people were like, man, these guys are acting crazy. They're, some were saying they're acting drunk. They're speaking in different tongue and it's crazy. But what was followed up by that was one of the greatest moves of God and acts of God in harvests, if you will, of its time. Because God empowered people, instead of it being, hey, let's follow Jesus and what? Now we're all following Jesus, but it wasn't, hey, let's go watch this guy. It was, let's watch Jesus' community, the followers of Christ. Let's watch the body of Christ move in this thing of new. And it was one of the greatest harvests we see in Scripture. Why? Because it was a group of people that were willing to say, hey, I'm ready for the new. I can handle the new. I'm interested in changing from here to hear because I trust God. And so I'll leave the way that I've, I've always done it. And we followed him and we liked him and he did these miracles. But now, and, and of course they didn't ditch Jesus and, you know, turn their back on all that. But uh, you know what I'm saying there is they were willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be spirit-led people walking in anew. And it led to one of the greatest harvests, like I said, of its time that you read in scripture. It works like this. How many of you have ever just been exhausted, tired, and uh, so tired that you just, I mean, you just went to sleep, and, and you know that you didn't even move, and you wake up the next day or the next time you, and like your shoulder hurts, and like, because you know you stayed in that same way, the same time, and you wake up, and because there was no change and no move in your body, all of a sudden you got like, you know, knots and cramps and like, oh, uh, because you didn't move. How many of us as Christians... <laughs> 
have been laying down and sleeping for quite some time, and God's called you to do something, and you're trying, he's like, oh, and I got this thing. We got to be a people that are flexible and willing to change. Amen? We're not changing scripture. We're not taking any. We're just being a people that are saying, God, I want what you have for me, not what I think is best for me. Amen? And so, it, it, you know, the ways, the practical ways we do it is how we read our Bible. I think so many of us go to scripture and we go, hey, I'm going to read the Bible today and I'm going to read the parts that I should read or whatever my devotion says. Or we can open up the Bible and we can say, God, this is your word. This is your holy word. And I'm not leaving here until your word changes me and makes me better and causes me to think differently and causes behaviors to stop and all these things because I want to be a flexible. I want the new because I'm tired of the old. Uh, my wife, I, I'm not kidding you. Uh, I have way too many t-shirts. Like I'm just a t-shirt guy. And, um, and so I go to places and I'll always get a t-shirt, a tour shirt or a stadium shirt or whatever. And so, um, you know how guys are, they don't love to throw out the old t-shirts, right? Like these are our shirts and they're nasty. Like, I don't even think I hang them up. They're so old. I just stand them up. They stand up on their own. <laughs> don't even need a hanger. And, uh, and, and, and so it, we, we just love that old, that same old thing. And so, you know, Jess will come home with like, you know, like a new shirt. You know, she's like, oh, I'll try that new shirt. Nope, like my old shirt. <laughs> and we laugh at that. But like how many times in our ways with God uh, that we do the same thing? You know, God's, uh, he's ready to upgrade. He's got this thing for you. There's a better thing for you to experience. And we love to hold on to the same old crusty revelation that we got from God. Yeah, but it, it fits better and it does whatever. And yeah, but this is new and it's better for you. And it, amen? So we have to think differently. Uh, God is a gentleman and he doesn't want to just pour, as the scripture said, all this wine on you because both will be lost. It won't be preserved. You won't be successful. You have to, as we sang this morning, God, I give you permission to do something in my life and to change me and to grow me. I'll close with this. Uh, Maddie, I don't, can you come play? I don't, we stuffed her back in the corner. But <laughs> John chapter two, verse one. It's a story, uh, today's wine Sunday, because my two scriptures are about wine. I'm going on vacation. I don't know if I said that. I'm, just, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. John chapter two, verse one is the story of the wine, the water into wine. And uh, I love this thought in here. There's a lot that's being said, and I can't unpack it all, but there's one line I want to give you. John chapter 2, verse 1. says, On the third day there was a wedding, and the mother of Jesus was there. Verse 2. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Verse 4. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not come. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, do it. I think that's a good way for us to operate in asking for the new from God. Hey, God, like the scripture says, here I am, Lord, send me. Or here I am, Lord, use me. What if every day we started the day and we said, hey, God, uh, I'm here today and I want to change and I want to be flexible. I want to be like the new wineskin. I want to be used. I want to be successful or preserved or made successful. Um, here I am, use me. What if our philosophy in that was this same line right here? God, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. 
in this story here, hey, the best, her, her thing was like, hey guys, the best thing you can do in this situation is just do what he says to do. <laughs> Pretty simple, right? But how many of us throughout the day don't even take that minute to say, hey God, what do you want me to do today? And I'll listen to that. What do you want me to do in this business deal? What do you want me to do on this job uh, site or this thing that we're entering into or this proposal or this thing or with my kids or what do you want me to do? And I'll do that. You'd be surprised that God will speak new into your life. He'll speak that new insight. None of us want to stay that old crusty wineskin or that old just dried up rigid old uh, old t-shirt like I was saying. So what does it look like for you when he tells you to do something? What are the distractions in your life that you need to sell? What is the job that you may need to leave? What are the habits that you need to remove from your life? Maybe the relationships or the friends that are distractions to you. What are the things that you need to say, this is of no value in my new season. Now you love those people and you love those things and, and you don't hate, but you just say, hey, right now, this is not going with me. It's a new season. Ecclesiastes 3.1 speaks of that. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Everything we do should have a, should have a season. It has a season, the scripture saying. Now, obviously you love God with your whole life and that's not a season. Like, did that for a season, I'm gonna put that up. But in your life, you know, there's just gonna be seasons. That's how God works, is you just have peaks and valleys and, you know, it, there, there changes okay. Now, again, I'm not talking about the big things. I'm gonna say, yeah, season, have a season of marriage after 20 years, upgrade. You know, I'm not talking about a season. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. There's seasons in our life that we have to identify and understand as, hey, you know, that was a season that God called me to and now he's leading me into something else. And the trouble is you gotta really watch it because you can't let your life just be a greener pastures. Well, there's a greener pasture. God's called that a new season. I'm going over there. You really got to watch it with what God's leading you. And that's why the word is so important. That's why the voice of God is so important in your life to be led. I love these thoughts. The secret of change is to focus your energy, not on fighting for the old, but on building the new. So many of us love the rearview mirror life. We're always looking back. But if we drove our cars out of the rearview mirror, we'd be in a crash because the windshield's a lot bigger than the rear view. Why? Because you're supposed to spend more time looking ahead. Same thing in our life. Your life doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by change. What can we do? Growth without change is impossible. Healthy things grow. And growth without change is impossible. And plants grow, they change, they push through, all these things. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. So be willing to accept the challenge. If nothing ever changed, I love this. If nothing ever changed, there would be no butterflies. So in your life, what does that mean? That means you can stay a little caterpillar, crawling around on a twig, doing a little thing, or you can accept change and trust God and you can see life from a new perspective, flying and floating and a whole new view. If you're willing to accept change, 
So many times in our life, we go from caterpillar to butterfly, caterpillar to butterfly, if you're willing to accept it. And the butterfly life, I believe, is where you harvest the beauty. You say, God, I've, I'm willing to change. I accept it. I trust you. I'm going with you. And then he harvests you into something better with more to see and experience. Amen? Won't you stand to your feet? If you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give everyone in here an opportunity. If you're in here this morning and you say, man, Pastor Josh, I hear what you're saying, but I need to make some big changes in my life. I'm not a follower of Christ or I've never made a decision to make Jesus Lord of my life. And today you want to make a decision to, to be a Christian with nobody looking around. Nobody's going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you forward. Nothing like that. I'll just, when I count to three, I'll have you raise your hand and then we'll all pray a prayer together. So again, you won't be singled out or anything like that. But I want your heart to make a connection with God. The scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, then you're on your way to heaven. It's salvation, forgiveness of your sins. Heaven will be your home. And there's more to it than that. And we walk through that with you. But today it's a prayer. Some call it the sinner's prayer. Some call it the prayer of salvation. But today for you in a matter of a a heart decision to change, God can step into your life and you can make a decision that will change your eternity. So if, in you're here when, if you're in here with nobody looking around, when I count to three, you raise that hand and we'll all pray a prayer together with you. If that's you, just raise your hand on three. One, two, three. If you're in here, you want me to lead you in that prayer. See that hand right on? Anybody else? Cool. If you're a little timid to raise your hand, we're all gonna pray this prayer and it'll work the same for you. And so everybody repeat after me. Say, God, today I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.